Welcome to the NIHR Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk, in association with Alzheimer's Research UK and Alzheimer's Society, supporting early career dementia researchers across the world. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Dementia Researcher podcast on location from the Alzheimer's Association International Conference in San Diego. I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm guest hosting the first of four shows being recorded each day at the conference, sharing highlights with three fantastic guests each day. So today is all about the pre-conference and day one. But before we start, let's make some introductions. So for those who don't know me, I'm a part-time PhD student and a research fellow at the University of Edinburgh. My research is in the field of dementia prevention with my PhD focusing on stress and my research fellow work focusing on diet as uh, potentially important risk factors for brain health. This is my fourth time to the AAIC conference in person, uh, sixth if we include the last two years of virtual, Uh, and I've always had a great time, so I'm really excited to be hosting today for the first time and hearing about our guests' highlights of the last two days. But that's enough about me. I'm delighted to introduce the wonderful Dr. Lillian Hung, the uh, amazing Dr. Ian McArdle, and the incredible Dr. Sarah Naomi James. Hi, everyone. Uh, So, Lillian, why don't you go first and tell us about yourself? Wow, it's really a fun time to be here with you all. Yeah, I am Lillian, assistant professor in the School of Nursing at uh, UBC, University of British Columbia in Canada. And my research looks at um, technology and a lot of implementations, how we could use technology to support dementia care, mostly in long-term care and hospital. I have a, a lab that in the lab we have a lot of fun. So I bring a team of uh, my um, some of the young researchers here as well that in the program. The lab um, we have a lot of patient partners. We do co-research, so it's a lot of fun. Amazing! That sounds so interesting, and I think you're going to tell us a little bit about the technology PA yes, day as well yes. later. It was a great day. Yeah. Brilliant. And uh, Riona, you've been on the podcast a few times. What's new? Yes. So my name is Riona McArdle. Um, I am an NIHR Advanced Fellow now, which is a bit different than uh, the last time I did this podcast. And my research really focuses on improving diagnosis and care of people living with dementia through novel applications of digital mobility assessment. So I work quite a lot with technology, similarly to Lillian, and was also at the Tech Day. Um, and I'm also really, really interested in co-design and working and partnering with patients as well, too to create my research. Amazing, thank you. So we've got some really interesting similar themes coming through. And Sarah, it's your first time on the podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, it's great to be here. So I listen, but I haven't been on it before, so this is exciting. Uh, So I'm a research fellow um, at UCL, funded by Alzheimer's Research UK. And my research uh, looks at risk and protective factors on brain health, um, particularly earlier and in midlife as well. So I've been to a couple of pre-conference workshops here, which were around kind of more or, um, of the risk factor side so I've got some interesting insights to share there. Amazing thanks everyone and so I think you probably all arrived before me if you went to the pre-conferences so uh, when did you all get here are we all over the jet lag have you been able to do any sightseeing yet? I'm not over the PTSD of traveling <laughs> I have to say um, but I have been on a boat to Coronado amazing. Island that's been quite nice where Marilyn Monroe shoot, shot a film so that was quite good. That's my sightseeing experience. Amazing. <laughs> How about you guys? 
So I flew, actually had quite a good experience. I feel quite quite lucky compared to everybody else. Um, and for jet lag, so I've got a one-year-old son, so I've just come back from maternity leave. And so actually I feel like I've been good, like training for ages to sleep when I can. So actually I'm really, I'm not too jet lagged. I'm just able to, to sleep pretty well. Amazing. So you're just having a great time oh, sleeping. Yes, I have such a good time. I'm learning, I'm sleeping, yeah. Great. And how about you, Lillian? When did you arrive? Um... I because I'm not too far mm-hmm. from Canada, so we uh, it was quite smooth. And I came Friday, and uh, we had a lot of fun because we had the team came together, and mm-hmm. we are a bit of foodie, so we have been eating Mexican food. Ita- we went to the little uh, Italy Italian food, and yeah, it was just yeah the food that we had yesterday was just fantastic. The yeah, the coconut margarita I recommended. Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing! I feel like I need to go out and get some sightseeing done because I arrived late on Saturday night so I haven't been able to do much yet but tonight onwards I'll be able to explore. <laughs> so the um, and have any of you been presenting at the conference yet? I think some of you have presented at the or maybe all of you have presented at the PIA days maybe. Um, should we go Lillian first? Do you want to say sure. what you've been presenting? Yeah so we have a few projects so because uh, we brought the team uh, we presented uh, posters we mm-hmm. presented um, uh, uh, a telepresence robot project that we use in long-term care to support people to do virtual care. And uh, we also presented, presented a, a talkie, which is a, a smart audio device that people use in, during the COVID outbreak to for their family to stay connected with their loved ones in long-term care. Yeah, Fantastic. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And have you got um, kind of junior researchers from your group being able to present here as well? Yeah, so uh, we also had... Um, um, other um, two students that they presented, uh, actually they presented a virtual uh, format and they had those TVs mm-hmm. in, the, in the exhibition hall. So it was kind of for us, it was like hybrid because that were, um, some of the students went in person and they introduced some of the people on hybrid. And um, we uh, we ha- also have uh, some poster today as mm-hmm. well that, that we present uh, uh, the Overcoming Loneliness project that we uh, we use the telepresence robot to do interview with the um, the residents in long long term care home because we were not able to get in. So mm-hmm. we had some of the older people that um, being the interviewer and the peer support person and interview the the residents in the long term care home. So that's today. Yeah, amazing busy time for your <laughs> and uh, Sarah Naomi. What have you been presenting or will be presenting? Sure. So I am um, presented at the Reserve and Resilience PIA um, day on Saturday. And so I um, have been doing some work looking at um, some factors in the life, like things like education and um, social class, childhood cognitive ability and how that can kind of buffer the effects or the cognitive expression of certain pathology so um this is quite an active area of research and it's been been great to kind of um work with other collaborators across across the world on this i think what is novel about what we were showing is that um, we're doing it in a sample of 70 year olds so they're still not really showing um, severe signs of, of dementia so we're seeing in a fairly cognitively normal sample that you can buffer the effects of things like amyloid hippocampal volume um, um, due to some of these kind of things that you can do in your life. Amazing and Ree what have you been presenting? 
Yeah, so I was presenting a poster at the Tech Day, um, and I'm presenting on the same topic on tomorrow, um, on the virtual dementia care um, session. So I was looking at the effect of local area deprivation on physical activity participation in people with dementia. Um, so we were essentially kind of interested in why do people stay physically active with dementia or why do they lose their physical activity? And most of the research has kind of looked at cognition or disease related factors like movement problems. And people haven't really thought about those socio-ecological factors like how does the environment someone lives in dictate if they can be physically active. Um, but interestingly, we actually found that the more deprived areas that people live in if you're an older adult without dementia that means that you are less physically active the better um you, the less deprived areas that someone lives in then you're more physically active but for people with dementia there was no difference across those um deprivation levels so it's nearly like the cognitive impairment itself might be a barrier or maybe all the other things that come with cognitive impairments like um, carers might be worried about you leaving the house, you might be worried about getting lost if you leave the house. Those kind of things probably have a big impact on your physical activity. So it was a really interesting piece of work that I did with Dr. Callum, ha Callum Hamilton um, at Newcastle University. Um, and I'll be presenting on that again tomorrow. And then I also, of course, with you, <laughs> have a workshop on Wednesday, which is partnering with patients and talking about um, research co-design and implementing PPI into your research yeah. yeah and is it my understanding that you won something i did win the best, <laughs> the best poster for postdocs yes wow, congratulations and a big surprise to me <laughs> amazing that's great news um so we're going to jump into some of the uh, topics that you've all been listening to over the last few days. So the conference has been going on for a few days, if we include all the pre-conference sessions. So we had the professional interest area days on Saturday. Um, so should we start with those um, in terms of what you found interesting in addition to kind of what you were all presenting, if there were kind of key takeaways from it. Um, so we'll go around kind of in the same order. So Lillian, what was kind of the standout things that you saw on the kind of technology day? What do you want to share with everyone? Yeah, the EDI, like the equity and equality. And um, that's really, yeah, that really like, struck me about the biases that how underrepresented the populations that are often are not included in the research and how it might impact decision making and how yeah like because we always talk about like evidence informed you know uh practice and how people policy are being made but if it's only based on a small percentage of uh, populations yeah it's so unfair and there's mm -hmm. so much needs to be done yeah so that really struck me like the, the weird yeah. phenomenon. I think there was a really great quote from Saya Bayat to that actually, I think it was um, to paraphrase it, it was something like the bias in your data set from recruiting participants leads to bias in your algorithms and that leads to bias in your clinical decision making. Um, and I think it really highlighted that even when we do try to recruit um, underserved groups, we actually end up with a biased sample of them as well. So there was a there was a talk by Hiroko Dodge where she talked about um, they'd recruited, you know, uh, they'd, they'd actively tried to recruit African-Americans into the study, but they found that the African-Americans were um, less sad and less socially, socially isolated than um, the rest of the sample. And they were like, that's probably not because that's the situation. It's probably that they got some very, very keen beans who like really like research and that kind of thing. 
and actually we're not getting a very diverse group of minority groups when we do recruit so it, it's quite an interesting thing because I think we've seen this all over this conference now a lot of talk about diversity um, but I thought it really highlighted that no matter if you're trying to get your sample to be diverse are you, are you actually getting a diverse sample yeah. at the end of the day? It was really interesting. And I was also very inspired about that the uh, like the assumption that people often made about because they can't afford the device and we cannot include them in the sample and they talked about that there are other ways that you kind of find to be creative like we purpose some of the older devices that people don't use and like think about like if they have to work and think about other ways yeah. like using like maybe phones and other like smart technology to help data collection yeah that's really interesting so I went to a different um workshop to you guys but the theme was very similar Mm -hmm. and it keeps coming up and I think actually across the conference this aspect of diversity is affects all aspects of research um so what we were talking about so I actually started my conference on Friday (laughs) and so I went to a social determinants of health workshop and there we were talking very much about not taking you know so when we're looking at risk factors you know we know there's still lots of research to do of course looking at risk factors of dementia thinking about how what dose that kind of thing but we know enough now to know actually what's good for brain health diet exercise these kinds of things but we and so we need to start working to kind of promote these health behaviors but we have to take into account that where they they're living and try to um really think about the communities that people are in and try to remove barriers that mean that they they can't do these things to reduce their their dementia risk and again and again it kept coming up about the aspect of bringing in more diverse people and what we need to do is start building communities of public health and researchers community groups and really try to find out why what needs to be done where people live to, to mean that they can then um, make decisions and and more of an individual choice to, to do things to improve their health um, but it's it's we for that to happen we need the diverse groups and we need to have these conversations as well it could turn out to be like quite not respectful in you trying to impose recommendations based on maybe very western type of research i'm thinking about like there's a, a project that we are doing on a smart tv at home that uh, a lot of the program was created based on um a very white populations and when we took it to the nursing home the the care staff and the resident was saying that we don't want to watch it watch mm-hmm. this this has no relevance to us yeah 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 so we end up having our patient partners to make new videos saying they need to be like talking about their language, like taking their cultural context mm-hmm. into consideration. Yeah. That's a great example. <laughs> yeah, it really highlights the benefit of doing that co-design work. Yes, yes, yeah. Definitely. And so the Alzheimer's Association are clearly very kind of invested in including people and kind of improving access how easy do you think that is to translate to kind of Canada and the UK in terms of is that as important to our funders is that as central do you think do you kind of include these issues in your research I think it's becoming more important you certainly need to add EDI statements into your grants now Um, and you know the NIHR have got the involve no the Include campaign, that's what it's called. And I have got the Include campaign, um, which is about representing underserved populations in your research and trying to create like a framework of how you might be able to include them. And it is, it starts from, you know, the very top, you have to co-design with them, ask them 
how would you like to be included in the research? What research is meaningful to you? Um, and trying to highlight that kind of research that is is useful for underserved groups. And it's important also to think about who is an underserved person, because I think it was highlighted really well yesterday um, that often when we think about being inclusive, we think about minority groups. But actually, there was an, it was mentioned um, at the tech day that it could be carers who just have to work and mm-hmm. they just cannot get a person to an appointment because they can't leave their job. Um, and so it's really thinking about, you know, basically, I think we think a lot of the time about like retired white people who've got the privilege of being able to move around. What about someone who can't drive? What about someone who can't afford a car? Um, so I thought I think it is becoming more of interest, but I guess I don't know if researchers necessarily in the UK have that um, a framework that's very easy for them to adapt and try to include people um, or or have those lessons that have been taught to them yet. Yeah, I've. I think in Canada we are trying to follow the footsteps, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, there's still a lot of work need mm-hmm. to be done in the infrastructure to support. In Canada, we call it patient-oriented research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, a lot of times the patients' partners cannot be co-investigators and or lead of the research. Like you guys have the patient lead research, mm-hmm. we don't have that. Yeah, so there's still a lot of things need to be done to promote that but um, yeah it's really really important work Mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of interest and we have like uh, people living with dementia are very interested in co-leading research Mm -hmm. to be more actively involved in research yeah yeah great and uh, coming to Sarah Naomi what uh, did you find out from the reserve and resilience day that you wanted to share with us or anything else in the social determinants of health day as well yeah, so um, I actually wrote on my notes that I wanted to raise the issue of, of diversity. Um, so we've already covered that. Um, a very interesting session I went to around um, sex and gender um, issues in the PIA day. And so um, the kind of background to that is that we know that women have got an increased risk of developing dementia above and beyond the fact that they survive um are more likely to survive into older age and so there's lots of discussion around why is that is that to do with sex hormones is that to do with genetic factors in the downstream proteinomics is it to do with the kind of social constructs especially thinking about women um, who are in older age now they had different educational um, opportunities uh, like a lack of educational uh, opportunities so it was a really interesting um, topic about that but um, the the two people who were leading the session uh, turned it into a debate and they concluded their remarks in song which was very interesting so Dr Rachel Buckley ended um, in singing a song about estrogen to the to the tune of Yesterday by the Beatles which was yeah I think there's um, a video of it somewhere on Twitter Um, and so it was really nice because it's it made the debate very lively and it's definitely one that I'm going to remember but there is obviously a serious undertone to the research and it was really great to um, collaborate uh, to network and kind of bond over this uh, very unique experience that we all saw yeah I've seen the video on Twitter and it's definitely worth watching it is amazing (laughs) brilliant and Ree was there anything else from the technology day that you wanted to bring up and highlight I think there was a real highlight talk was um, Arlene Stahl's talk uh, that she gave and it was looking at kind of use of technology around cognition really. Um, So she had kind of different components that she's talking about. 
One of them was she has got some work where they've done um, some technology led reminiscence therapy, which was really interesting, you know, songs or videos that people um, enjoyed and things. And I learned so much from that. Um, things like, you know, general photos of a time period are actually really good, whereas personal photos can be quite confusing for a person with dementia. They might feel expected to remember something that they just don't remember. But if you put, you know, a picture of Elvis up, they'll have a lot of things to say about that. Um, and she said that basically when she'd started that reminiscence research, she thought, you know, this would probably be helpful to quality of life and um, that kind of thing, but it probably won't be that helpful to cognition. And I believe that she found that it actually did improve cognition and at over 12 weeks it improved cognition again. So there's this kind of aspect and I'm not, Lillian might correct me on this, but I think she kind of thought it was um, to do with that interaction they were also having with the care staff and care homes and things that they were working with them more, speaking to them more, having more conversations with them and that was improving their cognition. And I also, she did this, great part around maintaining cognition and how we might use prompts to do that and use technology to lead the prompts so this is something that is very close to my heart and very interesting it's the kind of idea around helping people maintain their instrumental activities of daily living rather than them beginning to make mistakes and someone taking it off them so she um used the example of someone mashing potatoes she said that they they did co- co-production research and they asked this woman um what is it that you want to do and she said i want to be able to maintain making a sunday dinner and they said that's probably too difficult to do for a research project so we're gonna we're gonna go with mashed potatoes we're gonna make sure you can mash potatoes and it was quite cool the way that she did it because she put up pictures of the woman going through all the steps of mashing potatoes she peeled the potatoes she put um the potatoes into a pot and poured boiling water in she cooked them drained them and um mashed them and in the pictures, it looks like the woman can do that. Absolutely no problem. But in reality, when they were watching her do it, at one point she lost the pot lid, couldn't find the pot lid, couldn't figure out where it was, found another pot lid that wasn't correct and was too small for it, pulled out all of her saucepans to figure out what she should do. And eventually the researcher prompted her and said the pot lid is there. And she was able to maintain doing the task. And so what they were talking about was trying to instead of a researcher being there have a piece of technology that would say oh it's just it's just there and that might allow people to maintain that independence for longer and I thought that was just a really really interesting piece because we we see that with people with dementia they might um start to be unable to do something and it might just be easier for a carer to do it for them I've definitely spoken to my PPI contributors where they've said you know oh he's not great at doing it but I still want him to do it because it's important that he feels that he is contributing to the household in some way so I just thought that was absolutely fabulous talk to be honest I've got so much out of it Mm -hmm. I'm gonna stop gushing now (laughs) (laughs) I like what you said about that piece that it was important to him Mm -hmm. like Arlene talked about it's important to focusing on things that the everyday things that matter to the person, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of stigma, stereotyping, and thinking about you know, that people in long-term care and you know it's the length of stay is short. You know, then they don't think about they want to fund things that will improve or maintain the conditions. And um, it's not true that people get used to technology yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, it can improve their quality of life and improve their condition or at least maintain it. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> and so to what extent do they kind of want to personalize tech? Because it feels like that's probably quite a specific example that will only help a yeah. small amount of people. So how? what's the kind of idea around that? I honestly, I can't remember what she said about that part. I was still 
on the mashed potatoes part, I think. Um, so I'm not sure Lillian might remember about that, but I, I, I think that they were kind of thinking about co-production with, um, with people to mention to see where they would go with that kind of next step. But it was more that there is an opportunity that technology could address it and we need to think about what is important to people with dementia. This always comes up, you know, especially in consensus reviews, Delphi consensus, maintaining independence and being able to do things that matter to a person are the most important things for them. Um, and the kind of way that we set things up don't really look at that, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it, I think it's quite novel and interesting if we can get something that would help. Not sure. And I think with the tech, there's a lot of opportunity to do that personalization work. Like, for example, like the circuit that um, Aline does, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, you can personalize the content, right? If it's a family a videos, you know, and uh, yeah, it's photographs of the family of the pet or something like that. I went to one of the, the exhibition hall. It was so much fun. One of the vendor had a, a program. It's a very simple program that you can just go to the iPad and you can voice record like like simple questions mm-hmm. like what is the thing that I really enjoy in my life and now and then they could turn into a kind of like a, a care plan and that makes it really easy it's that piece that you talked about like helping um, uh, people to have a relationship you know when they yeah. talk about the remnants then you get to know the person and that's really key to person-centered care right yeah yeah Oh, it sounds so interesting. The technology day just sounds great, and as do all of the oh, pre-conference peers. <laughs> and did anyone have anything from the first official day of the conference that they wanted to talk about? Any kind of sessions that you went to that were kind of standouts or really interesting that you wanted to share? Um, I guess I went to one, I went to one on. I'm not going to say this correctly. Non-Clementure, I think that's what it was called. Um, but it was kind of, they had done some co-production work with patient groups around the term dementia or mm-hmm. Alzheimer's disease. And I thought it was really interesting, actually, because they talked about how patients were very confused about terminology. They were confused about Alzheimer's. They thought that might be separate to dementia. Um, mild cognitive impairment, they felt that was a strange diagnosis to get because it doesn't seem that bad. It's only miles. Um, and we, we've seen this come up in some of our PPI work as well. And actually, it's come up in um, a systematic review that I've got an undergraduate student presenting on in the dementia care um, session tomorrow about the impact of mild cognitive impairment, where they were just very confused by that term, mm-hmm. but very worried about dementia. So in this session, they were talking about um, there's a lot of ways that we talk about Alzheimer's disease. We might talk about Alzheimer's disease as, as Alzheimer's disease, but we might also talk about it um, instead of saying the word dementia, people mm-hmm. say Alzheimer's or they say Alzheimer's dementia and related disorders, which is very confusing for people. Or we talk about it in a pathology kind of sense. Um, and people think that, you know, if you've got MCI that you're going to progress to Alzheimer's instead of dementia or any form of dementia that you might get so they were talking about maybe changing that term um and changing it to i think it was like older adults neurocognitive disorders Mm -hmm. or something like that um and trying to co-produce with with people to make sure it was less stigmatizing that it was more understandable that clinicians could explain what it was Mm -hmm. instead of always like falling back into that lump of alzheimer's and alzheimer's related disorders so i thought that was actually quite interesting um I have like a caveat in where I think, you know, if it, if it is used in diagnosis, it probably will just become stigmatizing again mm-hmm. later on because I feel like that's what always what always ends up happening. But I certainly see that even when I talk to my parents, like they really mix up the Alzheimer's and dementia thing and they're like not sure what they're talking to me about mm-hmm. and things like that. So um, I think 
raising more awareness around that kind of terminology is really important really interesting especially when the term alzheimer's is used in branding for charities conferences it's kind of used very publicly but it is a bit of a kind of what is it what does it mean and yeah even within us we might all have a different way that we kind of use these terms and things yeah that sounds fascinating um sarah naomi did you have any sessions you wanted to yeah so i went to um a couple of the epidemiology epidemiology sessions yesterday and again they're kind of just building on our knowledge that you know so there are a couple of sessions looking at cardiovascular risk factors but um now in more diverse populations so there's some really great work going on in brazil and there's um some cohorts um in more of the latino countries um so but just showing actually that the cardiovascular risk is increased anyway so we of course would then expect the uh disparity in the outcome if there's going to be disparity in the exposure um so just emphasizing the point that it's really important to look at these communities um and i feel like yeah the take-home message is definitely we we know enough now i think about some things we can do and we need to to um there's lots more research around the mechanisms but we definitely need to to make things happen a bit more ease more easily um for for people to take risks risk reduction measures Mm -hmm. yeah great and Lillian was there anything from yesterday that you went to that you wanted to highlight or any posters at all yesterday I actually went to the beach lovely (laughs) that sounds like a great choice (laughs) in the morning I did look at some of the poster and uh, uh, there was one poster that uh, from uh, Australia that looked at the dementia finding communities Mm -hmm. and that was very interesting then she uh, interviewed some of the um, um, community planner to mm-hmm. see how uh, um, what can be done to better support people living in the community yeah uh, was that the poster to do with dementia friendly communities and government um, where they were trying to get government to yeah. to push them I thought that was really interesting yeah. actually yeah. I thought one as well yeah. yeah yeah I'm always interested in how I as, as like the question that I asked on the, in on the tech day about how as a scientist, how could we better work with policymakers mm-hmm. and governments to make a biggest impact? Because I have I encounter a lot of difficulties that that I want to include people that they don't have access to Wi-Fi. Like it makes it very challenging to do, and even in the nursing home that you can have like certain areas that have good really good mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, and across the next room that has no Wi-Fi, then that person like could not put the telepathic mm-hmm. robot there because. There's no Wi-Fi. It's such an important thing, isn't it? Because I think that we don't think about that very often, that a lot of people don't have access to Wi-Fi because it's Mm -hmm. such an instrument part of ours. And there is, like, in the UK, there's an Ofcom report that says that 40% of people over, I think it's 65, don't have a a smartphone. So they they couldn't possibly use it um, when we design these apps for smartphones and all this kind of thing. So it's really interesting because that is something that's um, a government push of, of, you know, free, accessible Wi-Fi to everyone of at least a basic standard. Mm. Um, it's a, I thought that was a really good question and it wasn't really, there wasn't really an answer for it, but I think it would be so interesting to have a session at something like AIC about working with policymakers because mm. we do this at Newcastle University. We've got a policy academy, which I was part of, um, oh. and you do nine months of training of how to interact with policy. So, so either wonderful. It, it was amazing. So either uh-huh. the government, the local community, um, the NHS, and they bring in professors and, and researchers who have worked with policy and have successfully implemented things in. And they all have different stories about how they did it, but kind of the main thing 
that I noticed coming out of those um, for medical research was the patient voice and getting the patients to advocate for you. So they, they, um, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, I'm very sorry, <laughs> but they had Professor Roy Taylor talking about um, his diabetes work and his diabetes intervention, which um, reduces your, I think it's type two diabetes um, to, to a point actually where uh-huh. it's, it's gone, you don't have it anymore. Um, but it was very hard for them to push that through. Uh-huh. And what he did was he wrote a book on it. He got patients to talk about it. They went into their doctors and they said, I could have this intervention. Why are you not offering me this intervention? And now it is an intervention in the NHS Aww. because of that. So mm-hmm. I think it would be great to see, you know, people who have changed policy for mm-hmm. dementia and hear their stories mm-hmm. at, a, at a day like um, an Alzheimer's Association day. Policy Academy. Yeah, That's what we Policy need. Academy. Yeah. It's so, it's <laughs> so, so cool, honestly. It's <laughs> such a cool little thing that Newcastle University do. Um, and you learn so much about like government structures and um, mm-hmm. things that I would just never know, like how, how the UK government actually um, influence policy, how you can speak to them, yeah. the ways that you can address them and that kind of thing. Um, and it will be, you know, completely different internationally for different places, but it would be really, really cool. That's to see so important. It. it feels like we need to be doing that work in parallel, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Alongside developing our work. So we talked a lot about this in the Social Determinants of Health workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking particularly, so um, one of the the risk factors with the most evidence of um, risk reduction is hypertension. And we know enough now to know that we need to start doing more to reduce Mm -hmm. hypertension in the community. We have the medication for it. So why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we getting better? And I feel like that's a very clear example where actually we know what we need to do, but we need as scientists, but then we need other people to help implement it. We need, you know, the targets. We need the clinicians to even get that message. We need need, um, people, of course, then to hopefully take a bit of a responsibility in, in asking for that as well but it can't have you know the science is there now and so we need to build on that with other people to make it um into practice yeah well said brilliant well uh, that's all we have time for today i think it's been really interesting that the same themes have basically come up across yeah. all days equality diversity inclusion and co-design being at kind of the center of what we do so it's really nice to see those themes kind of going throughout the whole conference um so as ever you can find twitter links and bios for today's guests on the dementia researcher website at dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk so it's time to end today's podcast recording i'd like to thank our guests dr lillian hung dr rihanna mccardle and dr sarah naomi james and please remember to subscribe and come back tomorrow for more reflections from day two of the conference and you'll find a massive amount of information on social media using the hashtag hashtag aaic2022 or hashtag AAIC22. And you can also go to outs.org forward slash AAIC for more information and potentially watch a 360 video version of this podcast on YouTube. Thank you, everyone. Brought to you by dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk in association with Alzheimer's Research UK and Alzheimer's Society, supporting early career dementia researchers across the world.